0: 1.7 7 FM, Madison.
1: Bye Use it, break it, fix it, trash it, change it, mill, upgrade it, charge it, point it, zoom it, press it, snap it, work it, quick erase it, write it, cut it, paste it, save it, load it, check it, quick rewrite it, plug like it, play it, burn it, whip it, strike it, drop it, zip and zip it, lock it, fill it, fold it, find it, view it, code it, jump and lock it, surf it, scroll it, pose it, click it, cross it, crack it, twitch update it, name it, read it, tune it, print it, scan it, send it, fax, rename it, touch it, bang it, pay it, watch it, turn it, leave it, start format it, Technologic, 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 technologic. Buy it, use it, break it, fix it, crash it, change it, melt, upgrade it, chart it, part it, zoom it, press it, snap it, work it, put it, erase it, slide it, cut it, face it, save it, load it, check it, rewrite it, plug it, play it, dirt it, flip it, back it, drop it, flip and hit it, tuck it, feel it, go it, find it, cue it, code it, jump and lock it, it stir it, scroll it, pose it, it, break it, fix it, trash it, change it, melt, upgrade it, charge it, point it, zoom it, press it, snap it, work it, quick, erase it, write it, cut it, paste, it, save it, load it, check it, quick, rewrite it, slide it, play it, burn it, rip it, crack it, drop it, zip it, flip it, touch it, bring it, babe, watch it, turn it, leave it, suck on it,
2: from the fabulous wsum madison studios hmm. it's do it live hosted by the do it geeks our special guest today is Steve Devote, along with our regular geeks, Jesse LeGroux, Ty Christian, and me, Adam Wiesenfart. Today's topic is... Hey, wait a second. Is this really what we're doing today, Jesse? Yes, it is. I-, I thought that was just like a running gag we were doing for a while. You mean what, the cloud? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. That's what we're doing? Yep. Alrighty then. Today's topic is... The Cloud. And now, broadcasting live and local on 91.7 FM and worldwide on WSUM.org, please welcome my co host, Ty Christian. Hello, hello,
0: everybody out there. Welcome to the Do It Radio Show, also known now as Do It Live. Thank you very much for tuning in with us today, as we talk tech for this hour. So, for the first, uh, so how, how you guys doing, Adam? How's it going?
2: I'm I'm excellent, Ty. How are you doing today? I'm
0: very good, very good. And Jesse?
2: Oh, I'm great. You? Wonderful.
0: All right. Well, I see we all survived the crazy snow apocalypse, the blizzard. We did. Of amazingly. 2011. Man, how the snowplows always seem to know exactly. When, when I finish my driveway, like, you know, just boom, come right through. But boy, do they, they do a good job on the street, I think.
2: Uh, yeah, they, they do good, do a good job. We're actually going to talk to uh, George Streckman, one of the folks from the City of Madison Street all Department, right. very shortly here.
0: That should be interesting and informative. It's all about edutainment here at Do It Live. Uh, so for the, first, uh, for the first part of our show here, let's go, as we always do, to Jesse LeGruz with the news.
3: So, after a five-day shutdown, Egypt, once again, as of yesterday, finally has internet again. Um, So far, it's been available in Egypt and other surrounding countries. And they've obviously noticed people who are actually looking at the traffic have noticed the dramatic jump um, after everything fell off Mm -hmm. uh, about one week ago. Um, And this actually kind of brings up another uh, topic, too. Um, Going back into... um, Uh, The Senate, Senator uh, Joe Lieberman, is looking to reintroduce a cybersecurity bill, um, which would actually affect um, basically not – hopefully not Internet access for individual users. Um, It was really to be a protective measure, um, so not blocking anything um, for people to go out to the Internet, but just blocking any attackers who may wish to come in.
2: So uh, so the – the U.S. government is basically trying to say that at some point, if they really, really want to, they can just turn off the Internet, right? Isn't that part of this bill? Well, and that's, I
3: think, what people are afraid of. Uh, they're afraid that the uh, government will just turn off the Internet. Um, and they've been you know, reassured that, no, this is not – we're gonna, not going to limit your Internet access. Uh, we're just limit, limiting access from the outside to our networks.
2: That sounds very bizarre to me. I don't. I don't quite get that.
0: Yeah, I don't. I'm. I'm always a little skeptical every time they have uh, something about you know internet security bill or something like that. I mean, ever since the whole uh, uh, internet series of tubes thing, you know, came coming out from the. Uh, <laughs> From the senators, there. I just don't trust senators speaking on the internet at all. I mean, they're all, they all—they all have to be like—I mean, pretty much all of them are like at least forty, fifty. You know, no, no offense to the older people out there, no, but, but over the age of fifty. I'm just saying, you know, this generation grew up with the internet, so you know, it's not a—it's not—it's not a truck. It's not something you dump things
2: on.
3: And yeah, it's not a series of tubes. It's
2: not the series of tubes, or or <laughs> not, as John Stewart was promoting, putting the vacuum tubes into everybody's house before 1950.
3: Yeah, Yeah. yeah. And actually a lot of people were saying that it should really be uh, uh, left up to the technical experts um, about, you know, how something like this would work. Um, Although in an interview with uh, Katie Couric, uh, Bill Gates also said it would, it's pretty easy when you have government control to actually shut things off if you need to. Oh, yeah. Um, Granted, with the complexity of the network we have in the U.S., it's probably not going to be that simple. Um, But if government did control it, um, they'd be able to at least, Um, cut people off at the border. Sure. What else we got going on this week, Jesse? We have the uh, new web-based Android market. Um, So this is mainly for uh, uh, the Honeycomb, so the new OS, which is going to be mainly tablet-driven. Um, You don't just have to go to the uh, marketplace on your phone to go and get applications. You can actually go to a web-based marketplace, uh, purchase applications, download them, all that other good stuff. Uh, One of the other improvements they're hoping to do is uh, app-in-app purchases. So if you're in an application... Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it advertises you to buy something or you have to buy another add-on for it. Uh, you can do it right from within that application. So you don't have to go back
0: to the marketplace or go back to the other application. That's, that, that's um, convenient. It so it's sort of like, do you like Tetris? Well, try Tetris with the square <laughs> block for nine ninety-five
3: or something like that, right? It could be like that. I'm sure there's a lot of different ways they could do it. Um, iOS has actually had this for years. Oh. Um, so this is a new thing for uh, uh, Google to get in there.
0: Interesting. Hmm.
2: Excellent, what else? What else is in the fabulous tech news world today?
3: Well, we have a, a little uh, kind of a snafu. Uh, some people are angry about it. Some people um, may not be um, it 's actually about Apple and uh, applications on iOS devices. Um, Sony was actually going to release an ebook application um, so people could. You know, look, read ebooks or purchase them. Uh, The way the application is supposed to work is when you look for, you know, you find an ebook you want to purchase from the application, um, you click on a link, it would open up a web browser, um, either on your iPhone or your iPad. Uh, You go ahead and purchase it, download it, and do whatever else you need to do. Um, Apple has said no. Um, they actually rejected this application from being uh, put out there. Um, Sony actually out. put a note on their website saying, unfortunately, with little notice, Apple changed the way it enforces its rules. Um, now, one thing that was uh, brought up before, though, is you know Amazon's Kindle and the Barnes & Noble Nook, uh, they do have applications at open web browsers for purchases. Mm. So it does seem, at least if you look from the outside, that it seems to be a a subtle change um who knows how this is going to affect things in the future who knows if this will actually affect the current amazon or barnes noble application um but that's definitely uh probably not made uh, sony very happy um but we'll see what happens in the next few weeks or months excellent interesting interesting yeah
0: what and do you have one more story for us yet jesse there's always more news (laughs) (laughs)
2: there's always tech news right
0: I got to say, you know, speaking of uh, e-books and stuff like that, I have a uh, the iPod Touch, you know, and just recently I I purchased a bunch of um uh, e-books. Uh I was going on a on the plane uh over to Hawaii and I purchased a bunch of e-books and man, that's, that's that's really slick. Uh just you know, I I thought maybe it'd be too too small of a type, you know, to actually be able to read it on the iPod, uh, on the iPod, uh but man, that was very very awesome. Uh so, yeah, I I it was it's interesting just, you know, kind of having, you know, 40, 50 books available to you at one given time on this little device. that You can also play, you know, um, some strange Korean role-playing games on that you download off the App Store for $0.99, cents, you know, that aren't fully translated. But, yeah, maybe I'm just going a little bit too far into my uh, – into the things I'm into here. Oh,
2: good Lord. <laughs> wow. So – so, All right.
0: So I want to say, hey, we are the most connected radio show on the planet for everybody listening out there. Uh, there, we we you can you can find sixteen different ways to get in touch with us. That's 1616 one uh, six on our website doitwiskedu forward slash radio. That's doitwiskedu forward slash radio. If you got a question or you want to uh, talk to us, you know about anything tech related, give us a call or text us right now at six zero eight five one five eight seven six eight. That's six zero eight. Five one five, eight seven six eight, or email us at radio at do it at Radio at doit.wisc.edu. We've got over 100 years of experience, and we're eager to answer uh, any of your computer technology. Um, I guarantee, though, that no one here is actually 100 years old.
2: That's cumulative. Uh, Yes, it is cumulative. Very. Otherwise, we'd be talking about tubes. You can do math. Congratulations. Yay! All right. Well, uh, we want to welcome our first guest who's on the phone here. uh, With the City of Madison Streets Department, we have George Dreckman just to talk a little bit because, obviously, we got about a foot of snow yesterday. and. Most of us got a snow day, which I think we were all thankful for. Oh, yeah. But uh, the plows didn't get a, a day off, so we wanted to talk to George a little bit about what's going on with that. I hear you guys installed GPS in your snow plows a year or two ago.
4: Yes. And can yes, you tell... We had a GPS there.
2: Can you tell me a little bit about that?
4: Well, we decided that... Uh- it was a good idea based on some experiences in some other communities to put GPS in our vehicles. Um, in addition to letting us know where the vehicles are, uh the uh the, the GPS system also provides us with information on whether or not their plows are down and in an operation, uh when if the spreaders are on spreading material.
0: That's pretty uh, detailed
4: and, uh, Yes.
0: Did yeah. you guys know, Did you guys write that software yourself, or is it something that you that you know kind of came? Did you talk to the GPS people and said like, hey, this is what we need, and they furnished that for you? Or what? There,
4: there was an exist some exi- existing software for plow applications, but we did a bit of programming ourselves because what we have done with those GPS systems then is we've programmed the routes. into the GPS system so that an operator, when they're out there driving and they're trying to watch out for parked cars with the plow blade and all kinds of other things that they have going on, checking the computer on their spreader and things like that, they don't have to be trying to see street signs. Uh, The uh, GPS system has those routes built in, and so they get the uh, verbal instructions uh, from the GPS to follow the route.
2: So they have a predefined route that they go through and do every time more or less now? You guys have set that up?
4: Right. We have that on our salt routes, uh, the, the main streets that we, that we take care of, uh, and uh, those uh, routes are put right into, uh, right into the machine. Uh, we've actually done the same thing in terms of loading routes into uh, GPS systems on our refuse and recycling trucks as well.
2: Wow. That's really impressive. Uh, I have to give you props. I know you guys have gotten a lot of grief over the last couple of years, but um, my street was plowed by about four or five o'clock last night and I'm really on a tertiary street. Um, So I give kudos to you guys. You did a great job over the last uh, week with all of the snow removal.
4: Well, thank you very much. It's been a very, very busy time for us. We've had a lot of snow, as as everyone knows. And you know, one another advantage with the the GPS is it allows us to, when we get a problem situation, it allows us to uh, dispatch um, a vehicle that's closest uh, to the uh, problem. In the past, we used to look up at the map, and the maps sure. would be cordoned off into big districts, and we would just send the vehicle that was assigned to that area and sometimes they'd have to go, you know, three or four miles off of the area where they were working in order to clean up a problem. Now we can dispatch the closest uh, vehicle uh, to that problem spot so we get those things taken care of a a lot quicker and it just improves the overall efficiency of the operation.
0: So since you've done the program yourself, most of the programming yourself, you know have you have you got it when there's a problem or when like they're you know getting behind schedule did you get it so that the changes the gps from the soothing lady voice to like the voice of your angry boss like turn left or else is that what you know
4: because that's what i would do that's a refinement that i think we're gonna have to work on okay you Uh you can put that
0: suggestion in for like the for the next the next version of the software okay
2: (laughs) how many plows vehicles things do you have in operation right
4: now well, we send out, we have about, uh, 35, 36, uh, well, I should get the exact number here. We have 38, what we call patrol trucks, uh, which are trucks with spreaders and plows on them. And then, uh, we usually have 30 of those assigned to our main salt routes, and then we have other backups. But then when we go out and do the, the general plowing, where we plow every street in the city, um we assign 75 to 80 vehicles, uh, from our own fleet, uh, to doing that plowing, and then in addition, we contract out with another seventy-five yeah, I uh, have, vehicles from the private sector.
2: Yeah, I have a contractor who comes and does our streets, and they do a great job. So, uh-huh. so yeah.
0: is it really hard to uh, like? You know, I, I've never obviously I've never driven a plow, uh, but is it is it really hard to like uh, to to get around, park cars, and stuff like that? I mean, you know, it seems like it's extremely difficult. You know, to get everything plowed like you guys do it.
4: It is. It's extremely difficult. Um, that's why if, you know, if there's one space in between two cars, we don't dip in. You know, people, well, why didn't you clean that space out? Well, because we'd have taken out one car or the other for <laughs> sure. Um, it, it is. It's a very challenging, uh, very challenging work. Uh, it's done usually under the worst type of weather conditions uh, or when uh, sometimes we are out uh, in traffic trying to get work done and uh, we have to dodge moving vehicles, parked vehicles, and <laughs> get the snow uh, cleaned up. Uh, it is quite a challenge. Uh, the uh, The job is very difficult physically. Uh, there's a lot of bouncing around in a plow truck uh, that uh, you don't see in your you know passenger car. Uh, in addition, and you know the plow, when the plow hits something, uh, because it's uh, attached so tightly to the frame, it sends a shudder through the whole truck, including oh, the operator who's attached to the steering wheel. Um, now, I and got.
0: I, so. I gotta ask: Has a plow ever gotten stuck in the snow?
4: Oh yes, we've got a plow stuck. Um there's no wow. question a, a couple of uh years ago uh it happened uh trying to get through uh, some drifts and then we have to send an end loader in usually to uh, try and pull it out or sometimes we can pull it out with another uh another plow. Uh we have problems uh in ice storms where a plow will slide off the side of the street and we'll have to pull it out. Um, in fact, ice storms can be uh, very interesting situations when we try to go out and put sand and salt down on hills where we uh, uh, we will back up the hill. Oh, wow. So that, the, so that the plow is driving over the material that they're putting down so that they get traction. Wow. Uh, so there's, there's some interesting tricks that uh, sometimes we have to go through to uh, uh, open up streets for the general public.
2: Well, gee, George, um, I can't thank you enough for being on with us at such short notice. Um, but uh, again, good job with the plowing this week, and uh, hope you keep it up.
4: Thank you. Thanks for having me on. All
2: right. Thank you. Who knew there was that much technology in a plow? It's crazy. A snow. I mean, and and we didn't even touch on it, but I'm sure just the logistics of getting the plow up and down and all that stuff is is yeah. something in and of itself that we can't even imagine.
0: Well, you know, Adam, in case you were wondering how they used to do it before GPS, before, you know, the crazy uh, dilithium plow technologies that they have on the plow, whatever it was, (laughs) here is a letter, this is I actually found this while we were talking uh, to to the guy there. Uh, Here's a letter that I found from 1948 from the office of the mayor in city hall in boston Uh, i'm going to skip over a little bit but basically it's an it's a letter as i almost said it's an email (laughs) it's a letter (laughs) to mit and it reads i'll put it put it in my mayor voice I'm very desirous that the Institute of Technology have a competent group of engineers make, he's British apparently, make immediate study as to ways and means of removing the huge accumulation, not only by the use uh, of flamethrowers or chemicals or otherwise uh, so that we may have a gradual disposal when it starts to melt rather than having disastrous floods as a consequence of its melting with great property damage and injury to the public. So there you go. Uh, back in 1948, they were talking about removing the snow with flamethrowers and chemicals. <laughs>
2: that sounds awesome. <laughs> and oh, with uh, that, yeah. to the break. <laughs> to the br- <laughs> we have Steve Devoti here in the studio. He hasn't talked yet. We're, we're really sorry about that, Steve. But we're, we're here to talk about the cloud. If you have any questions, give us a call right now, 515 You can also text us at that number or fire us an email at radio at doit.wist.edu and we will be back right after this. You know
5: that it would be You know that I would be a liar If I were to say to you Girl, we couldn't get much higher Come on, baby, light my fire Come on, baby, light Try to set the night on fire. The time to hesitate is through. No time to wallow in the
6: mire.
5: Girl, now we could only lose and our love. Winter
3: safety tips. If your car gets stuck in the snow, do not spin your wheels. This will only dig you in deeper. Turn your wheels from side to side a few times to push snow out of the way. Use a light touch on the gas to ease your car out. Use a shovel to clear snow away from the wheels and the underside of the car. Pour sand, kitty litter, gravel, or salt in the path of the wheels to help get traction. Try rocking the vehicle... Check your owner's manual first. It can damage the transmission on some vehicles. Shift from forward to reverse and back again. Each time you're in gear, give a light touch on the gas until the vehicle gets going. This has been a winter safety tip from WSUM.
2: Do it live!
6: Do it live!
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, the newly christened do it live in studio with us. We've got Steve Devoti. Steve, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Excellent. Welcome. Um, we gave you a sheet of paper, and it's got a couple disclaimers, because there's another local radio show in town that has four disclaimers, but that's too many. So we've got two. Would you Would you mind reading those for us, Dave? Oh, not
7: at all. The two disclaimers, number one, the opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the views of WSUM, Uni- University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. Products and services provided by the Division of Information Technology, a.k.a. DOIT, or other university departments may only be available to students, faculty, staff, or those currently affiliated with UW-Madison.
2: Excellent, well done sir. Thank you. So we're here to talk about the cloud today and I have to say I was at CES a little earlier in January and everybody was talking about the cloud and I went up to some people like what is the cloud and nobody had a good answer so I'm gonna ask you because you're the expert here so what, what is the cloud?
7: right well um I'm surprised uh, not surprised if no one had an answer because it kind of depends on your perspective and everybody thinks the cloud is uh, something a little different but but i'll I'll give you some uh general guidelines of what I think it is, and uh basically it's it's associated to some extent with uncertainty, so where you're being delivered services and you really don't know and and hopefully don't care where they're coming from, and of course, this is usually uh maybe always via the internet so uh that's so, that's the cloud.
2: It, it's stuff you'd usually, I mean, in the past you might have done on your computer, but now it's something that's offered up on the Internet so that it's available anywhere, everywhere, all the time.
7: Absolutely, yeah. That's kind of the uh, some of the characteristics of the cloud. So it's uh, location independent. You don't have to be sitting at your computer. You don't have to be on campus. You don't have to be in the office of your company. Uh, on demand, wherever you want it, whenever you want it, hopefully with whatever device you'd like to use.
0: Man, my favorite part about—I got to say—my favorite part about cloud apps, I think, recently has been uh, uh, like Google Docs collaboration kind of stuff. You know, before you you could uh, never have more than one person editing a Word document at the same time unless you were all in the same room and like looking at somebody's computer and saying, "No, type Z now, Q," you know. But it, now, I mean, like, you can not only edit the doc together and and you know chat with each other while you do. doing. I, I really, I think it's really sweet. Can you give us some uh, other cool examples of like new cloud technology, you know, that you've seen or that maybe that you've used that uh, maybe not everybody knows about?
7: Right. Yeah. Um, so everybody's familiar with you know, Gmail and er- most of us have a Gmail account, I guess, and been using it for years. So Gmail is certainly a, uh, w- was one of the first cloud services that people, the general public became aware of, but as, uh, people saw the, the advantages of these kind of architectures, um, some things you may not be aware of is Amazon has cloud services. So Mm. obviously they're an internet, you know, uh, they sell things on the internet, but they also have things called uh, EC2 and S3. S3 is just storage. So if you want to store data in the cloud, uh, have access to it from anywhere, make sure it's backed up, those kind of things, you can use Amazon S3. Um, They also have a development, sort of a development platform environment called EC2. And Again, so you don't have to put up a bunch of uh, servers, uh, Java application, you know, middle tier environment. You can just use Amazon's, and you, you need to scale it up. You just, you know, probably you don't call them. I don't think you can call Amazon. You know, but,
0: uh, <laughs> It'd be like calling Google. It's like I need to call Google. I think How? they prefer
2: email.
7: <laughs> right? Yeah, it's e- easier to ignore email. But uh, <laughs> so
2: true. So true. Very true.
7: Uh, but anyway, so you can uh, develop software uh, up at Amazon and deploy it and um, you know, point people at it and make money. That's, that's pretty
2: cool. And, and you can just send uh, some sort of computing job to EC2, right? You say, you say, I need you to crunch numbers for me. And they say, you need to pay us X amount of dollars for X amount of stuff.
7: Absolutely. And you know, that's interesting you bring that up because uh, we're, cloud is the – it seems new to a lot of people. For, they've only heard about it the, here recently, but really in higher education we've been doing sort of cloud kind of private cloud com- computing for a long time, so things like terragrid or big research computing networks that allow people from wherever they you know they're coming from to you know go on uh, get access to uh, high speed computers run their jobs so they don't have to have these things on their campus they- it can be a national infrastructure and uh, it's a lot more efficient
3: hmm. so what's uh can you give some examples about? cloud computing resources on campus that maybe everyday students do use now or may use in the future?
7: Um, sure, I can, I can definitely give you an example of ones you may use in the future. Uh, certainly, uh, things that are, are thought of as commodities, like email calendaring, those sort of things, uh, those are moving quickly to the cloud in higher education, and, and a lot of our peers have um, already moved their students to uh, Gmail or Windows uh, Live at EDU. Um, and that's something we're considering. So we have a, we have a big uh, email calendaring uh, chat project going on right now. And and uh, I certainly I won't make any promises, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised if uh, in the future our students um, uh, were getting some of these services via the cloud.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. Now, I, I know a lot of – you know, I've gotten a lot of uh, questions from people, uh, you know, specifically as like um, – well, Wiskmail is a service on the cloud, and Gmail is a service on the cloud, and they're like, well, why don't you guys just use, why don't you just use Gmail? Oh, I know why one of those people. Through, why, why do you go through all the, you know, the trouble of making Whiskmail and updating it? Why don't you guys just use Gmail? Do you know? I mean, can you give us any insight on, on why we don't just use Gmail?
7: Yeah, well, I think it's just a legacy. So, um, at the time that Whiskmail um, was was designed and implemented, there really it, p- people. Weren't institutions, let's put it that way, organizations, companies, et cetera, We're not really moving to the cloud. So a lot of us had ISP email accounts for 20 years, but it's only fairly recently that uh, that institutionally uh, we've looked at the cloud for these these kind of services. And it, and you had a good point there, which is. Uh, some of the cloud is just perspective, right? So, to a Whiskmail user, Whiskmail may look like it's in the cloud. They can get to it from anywhere, you can pretty, sort of use any device, maybe. Uh, um,
2: uh, <laughs> well, you, it's pretty pretty good. I mean, I can use yeah. it on most of my devices without problem.
6: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Uh, so, But aren't there some security implications with HIPAA and FERPA and all that stuff that, that we'd have to work out with Google before if we were going to move some major piece of our infrastructure like email?
7: Yeah, you've hit on it. That's it, right? So, I mean, those are the kind of things that we're going to have to look at as we look at the email project. And that's what's held this up for a while. It wasn't until recently, for example, that the federal government NIST came out with some standards for federal government stuff moving to the cloud. And that's the big deal, right, is uh, Google – until fairly recently, really wouldn't sign an agreement with you. They wouldn't agree to do anything. So um, if our data is up there, we have uh, a responsibility. We have regulatory requirements. We need to be able to support open records laws. And uh, those are the kind of things that need to be worked out before we can really move to the cloud.
2: For those of you who are not acronym you know, sad. Yeah, I was just going to say, we yeah. better explain what yes, it is. Yes, we should. HIPAA is a big law that got passed a few years ago, which roughly says that uh, your medical records are sacred. And there's a lot of regulations in terms of if you have any medical data uh, or anything your doctor might see. And that is coming to bear in a big way on technology, because this is how all of the new medicine, Uh, chart keeping software uh, is going to be used and using technology you get into thorny things like can a patient see their chart how do they get to their chart is the internet tunnel secure
0: can the nefarious hacker x
2: get to get to his get to this person's chart and 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 because we have what some eighty thousand people who use email on campus give or take yeah about that and and some of them are doctors so this is a big deal it is. Because if you're on Gmail, you can't. you be absolutely guaranteed. if
0: you know if you email another doctor and say like uh, Joe or uh, Adam Wiesenfarth needs uh, 50 cc's of horse tranquilizer this Wednesday. You know, there's no guarantee that someone couldn't get that. Where with you know, Wisma, at least we have a little bit more backing where we say you know no one's going to know about Adam Wiesenfarth's uh, horse tranquilizer you know regimen. Hey,
3: you
2: know, definitely, we weren't discussing that. <laughs> Not Wait, on the radio. Not on the radio. Oh, sorry, sorry. That's okay. So we have a question here it's from uh, Doctor
3: Ty. <laughs> one question that just came in: Is the cloud, such as Gmail or any other service, really free?
7: Uh, that's a good question. There really nothing is free. So the you know the the it's different kinds of costs. So um, you know the cloud is a is a form of outsourcing. We've been talking about outsourcing in IT for a long, long time, and people have found. Uh, that you know there 's different kinds of costs there 's relationship management you know who 's managing the relationship with the service provider um, maybe it 's not hardware uh, but nothing is free, so uh, there are no license costs, say for gmail, but somebody 's still going to have to be paying attention to it
2: uh, absolutely
0: well, also you know a lot of people are saying a lot of people say well how can you know how can google uh, you know, give give out like email and voice and 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 docs and all that sort of stuff. Well, I mean, you know, if you look at Gmail, if you pull up your Gmail, you know, there is uh, ads on the side of your Gmail that specifically reference like things in your email. You know, uh, if you have brought, got a email about lightsabers, there's probably like you know want lightsabers? Get them at fifty percent off, just right on the, on the side there and Google ha you know Google makes mon- so much money off of placement of these ads I mean they basically invented the technology so yeah you're right uh, you know it's, it's definitely not free but it's I'll
2: yeah, put up with some some Google ads for all the kind of cool stuff that they do all right well we're going to talk to Steve a little bit more in just a second here but at the moment I think we have some some breaking news here with Jesse is that right yeah Not sure if I'd call it breaking, but it's news. Oh, we love news. What's going on in the land of tech since we started this show? Well, News Corp is looking to sell MySpace. Oh, what? What?
0: Nah.
3: For how much?
0: Glittery backgrounds, animated gifs. What? (laughs) All your
3: favorite bands, right in one place. (laughs) As far as how much, that's a a big question.
2: Um, But it's they're they're trying. You don't know, There's not a figure, dollar figure? Oh, well, okay. Yeah, I I don't know how that's going to work out. I don't know if it has as much value as, well, obviously it doesn't have as much value as something like Facebook, but...
3: Yeah, what they're hoping to do is have somebody else bring myspace to its true potential uh-huh. um, they can't do it themselves so they want to <laughs> sell it off so somebody else can
0: do it they for can't it. do it themselves because they just fired half of their staff that's why they can't do it themselves i that's mean like they were halfway through the beta like I, well you know for those of you who don't know out there myspace just released a new a new uh, uh version of, of myspace uh and everybody who had a myspace page uh myself included had to like completely redo all of their All of their cool customizations on it, uh, which was kind of a pain. But halfway through the beta, they're still in beta. Halfway through the beta, they fired half of their programming staff, which doesn't make much sense. But now it does because they're trying to sell it off. So that makes a lot more sense.
2: (laughs) Excellent. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with Steve Devote and some more cloud talk right after this.
4: You Badgers and people sick of hearing about the Badgers. This is Jello Biafra, and you are listening to WSUM ninety-one point seven FM in Madison, Wisconsin. Why?
0: Hey, welcome back to Do It Live, the most connected radio show on the planet. Remember, the 16 ways to get in touch with us are on our website, Do doit.wisc.edu forward slash radio. And very soon, here in the studio, we're going to be playing America's favorite game show right next to Wheel of Fortune. It's brand new. Stump the Geek. That's right. Woo. So we need your phone calls. We need you to call us up or chat us or Skype us or do whatever you want to do right now at 608-515-8768. That's 608-515-8768. Six eight. Call us with a question. Do you think you can stump us? Do you think you can stump me? Do you think you can stump Adam? Maybe Jesse. Maybe you want to give Jesse a try? Huh? Huh? You think you're big? Think you want to do it? <laughs> you can't. You can't stump us. That's my. That's basically. I'm. You know. I'm gonna say. Let's 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 do it. Let's bring it on. Nice. Gloves off. Excellent. So get it. Get us your. Uh, questions and call us in right now
2: yeah in the meantime we're back here with Steve devotee talking about the cloud the UW cloud all that stuff and our lovely producer Sandy brought up a good thing so the cloud allows us to outsource things pretty much anywhere there's internet and a lot of times of late that's been somewhere not in the US and there's some implications that go along with that, correct?
7: Right, absolutely. Uh, many states have laws that uh, require that certain types of data be kept in the state or, or certainly within the United States. So this is uh, back to is services like Gmail have evolved, and we've wanted or others have wanted to adopt them. We run into some regulatory uh, uh, requirements that you know say, hey, the data needs to stay here. We need to at least have some general idea of where it's at. Uh, if not specifically what data center.
2: So what we've sort of learned throughout this is that the UW likes to have its own stuff and have things still localized, and, and that seems to work better. Is that sort of the, the correct impression I'm getting here?
7: Uh, I think it's just change, right? I mean, everybody, this is new. Um, some people aren't familiar with it, and we've always done it this way. It seems to work. Um, Why would we change? So why wouldn't we run our own email systems? And um, it's a good question, uh, but maybe we should have someone else run them. Maybe it's cheaper, maybe better service, maybe even in some cases you get better security.
2: Sure. So something which is not local to UW, but maybe more familiar to our listeners, it's kind of a nebulous discussion. We're talking about email and web space and calendar and all these sort of things, but I don't know. I've used a little bit this thing called Dropbox, and Ty, you said you'd been learning how to use this.
0: I use Dropbox all the time. I love Dropbox. Uh, Dropbox is, for those of you out there who are unfamiliar with Dropbox, it is basically a program that you install on your machine, and it lives on the cloud. There you go. It's got some Adam sound effects uh, in it. Yes. So basically all you do, it, you install it and it, it appears like a folder on your desktop, just like a folder that you'd put regular files in. Um, the neat thing about it is, though, that anything that you drop into this folder, anything that you copy over, um, instantly uploads somewhere to, to basically to the Dropbox uh, servers. So it's real simple online backup and you can also uh with it basically you can also you know upload files and uh, copy a link and you know send it off to uh your friends uh you know say hey check out this picture check out this movie that that kind of stuff um almost sort of like my web space but in a very you know like uh almost kind of integrated into the os uh kind of deal you know um so jesse have you used dropbox i have now? Yeah. It works pretty well. I think you get a a limited amount of space for free. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's definitely good
3: for a lot of students out there who, you know, I'm. I'm typing up my paper, and I want to put it up somewhere. Uh, they can have the application installed in their computer, and it's cross-platform, so Linux, Mac, OS, or Windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, load it up, save your file, and as long as the cloud doesn't disappear or
2: evaporate. <laughs> um, or you're in Egypt and you don't have Internet anymore. Wah, wah.
0: You'll be able to get your file later. And another great thing you know, for students who are working on papers and such like that, say you're 20 pages into your 60-page paper, you know, you want to make sure you're backing up your paper as you're writing it just in case in multiple locations is always good. So, I mean, hey, throw it up on Dropbox, make a copy, boom. Then, you know, then you're basically guaranteed that if it's up on Dropbox, up in the cloud, more, I mean, more or less, that it won't, uh, you know, it won't evaporate. Your flash drive won't die. Your hard drive won't go on the fritz. Man, if I could count the number of times people's hard drives have died, like, halfway through their paper.
2: It's insane. Have, and they always know it's the end of the semester. That's when the hard drives oh, die. Yeah. But th- that brings up another question. So you're entrusting this file to the cloud. Mm-hmm. Who owns it? Who controls it? Who do you go to if it's not there? Can you speak to that a bit, Steve?
7: Yeah, that's a, it's a really good question, and that is we want to move uh, kind of enterprise services to the cloud. We have to think about that. Um, Google and others, cloud providers, uh Windows, Live SkyDrive, by the way, would be another sort of Dropbox-like service that people could use. Um, sometimes the terms of service on those say that the the provider owns the data or they can do certain things with the data that you may not want them to do. Um, so those are the kind of things that uh, you definitely have to look at. You know, everybody clicks through those license agreements. Well, cloud providers have those license agreements, too, and you – might want to take a little closer look uh, so you know what they're doing with your data
2: i didn't know i'd have to learn how to read lawyer ease when i started doing (laughs) computers but that's the thing with software it's full of legal hassles and loopholes and i just it, it boggles the mind that you know if you put up your music somewhere but it's not your server or your something else you might literally be giving up the copyright to your work Right, it's absolutely. tough, too, because, I mean, the,
0: sometimes they make them almost those, you know, those legal disclaimers, just like 60, 70 pages long. I mean, you know, sometimes it's almost, you know, prohibitively long that, you know, to to read through that whole thing.
7: Right. And, and, and people aren't really going to read through it. And as an organization, you know, we'll do that. We have lawyers and so forth. But as an individual, it, you know. Do some uh, web searches, look around. Somebody has looked into it, and so if you say, hey, XYZ service, I'm thinking about doing it, and I think it's great, someone will definitely you know, have an opposing opinion and say, hey, you, you know what they do with your data, or, or uh, you're giving up these rights, and then you can decide whether you want to do that or not.
0: So I got a – there's a, uh, a quote from my dad that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question on here. And this is actually a couple years old. He, see, he came home one day and he said – Oh, oh, Ty! I I heard something today at work. I heard that, you know, uh, pretty soon. Now this was two, you know, two three years ago. So pretty soon, there's going to be a computer that you buy that is not a computer. It's just a just kind of like a little uh, screen kind of thing. He's not very good with computers. It's a screen thing, and then uh, basically you just plug it into the internet. And it's it's going to basically run your computer, you know, off the Internet. So all your programs will be, you know, boom, right there. You, you won't have, like, a, you know, any sort of storage stuff on the machine. It's all going to be online. Do you think they could actually do that? And for years I was like, no, no. I mean, you know, maybe sometime in the future when we've all got, you know, crazy, extremely fast connections. But not right now. I don't think it's even possible. But you know what? I mean, I think we're kind of getting close. What do, what do you think on that?
7: Well, yeah, I think we're getting close. I mean, um, they've actually been talking about that kind of thing. You know, Larry Ellison about, uh, I don't know, 15 years ago thought we were all just going to get these little net PCs. Mm. You know, all the software would live on virtual servers, probably not in the cloud, you know, in your organization. Um, But we're certainly getting there. And when you look at things like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Salesforce.com.
2: Heard uh, of it. Yeah. I mean, is that, I don't know, is that like customer relation management sort of stuff?
7: That's exactly what it is.
2: So databases of of your customers, what they've bought, um, online stuff.
7: Absolutely. And, you know, procurement and, you know, a lot of the business processes is uh, involved with selling things. And so it's all online and you can be a little 15-person company. And you just access it through a browser, and and away you go. So, um, you know, I think the problem is that until band, you know, bandwidth continues to go up, but there's always going to be something you want to do locally, right? I mean, it's it's a matter of control, certain gaming, you know, stuff like that. Is it's a ways off.
3: Actually, we did have uh, one question. You may or may not be able to answer it, but we'll give it a shot. Other people can make guesses. How would a service like Dropbox um, be, how would you uh, compare it to something like MyWebSpace?
7: Well, I mean, uh, the difference is, uh, there's not much difference, really. I mean, uh, they're essentially the same thing, one sort of local, you you can get access to either um, from wherever you're at. Uh, The difference might be that from a kind of IT infrastructure perspective. So from the user perspective, not much difference. But from an IT perspective, um, Dropbox is bigger. You know, it scales. Uh, They probably – economies of scale are big with the cloud, right? So it's, it's incrementally not that much more difficult to provide the service to 100 more users um, but you have to have some base, um, and so a lot of it's about economies of scale. And to the user, though, not much difference. We have
2: pretty large scale
0: here already, yeah. don't we? Yeah. I, I would say I was going to say also another difference is that my web allows you to publish your own webs your own websites, right. where Dropbox might not be able to do that.
7: Yeah, absolutely. There's fu- always functional differences, right? So, uh, it, whether the service does what you want it to do.
2: And my web space, for those of you who are listening who may not know what it is, is sort of both public and private space that's available to students, faculty, and staff on the campus, and it allows you to put up web pages, which anybody in the world can see, but it also lets you store your files securely, and you can also let certain people access those files. So if you're working with a study group, something like that.
7: Yeah, absolutely. And and probably the difference is something we've kind of beaten to death here. Um, My web space is here. We have security, you know, things associated with it. If you have sensitive data or uh, university intellectual property, probably my web space is going to be a lot, not really safer, but you're going to be compliant. Uh, You don't have those worries about losing something that that is important to the university as you might have on dropbox
0: so all you doctors listening there adam wiesenfarce medical data goes on my web space not on dropbox <laughs> i think
2: my medical records may still very well be in paper sadly <laughs> But somewhere
0: I, in a filing cabinet I'm, I'm getting to
2: appreciate paper and pencil and pens more and more every day it's just kind of insane. that's just
0: because you haven't
2: tried the new e-pens Oh, we do have those. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting little things that uh, we can check (laughs) out someday. Well, gee, Steve, uh, the hour has flown by. Thank you so much for coming in and and chatting with us. And uh, it's, it's great to have you here. Um, So we wanted to thank a few people uh, that have helped us put this show together. And I wanted to thank my co-host, Haytai. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. And Jesse, our fabulous executive producer and news guy, thank you so much for being here for episode number three. Of course. We couldn't do it without you. Uh, We'd like to give special thanks as well to our management team at the Division of Information Technology, Perry Brunelli, Edward Hoover, Brian Kischter, Jack Lepak, Howie Mead, Brian Rustin, Bill Zimmerman. Woo! The Director of User Services is Kathy O'Brien. Oh, do, do it's chief operating officer is John Krogman, and our interim CIO and vice provost for information technology is Joanne Berg. Today's broadcast was produced by Sandy Cyberlich and Adam Wiesenfarth. Associate Producers, Ty Christian and Laura Grady. With assistance from Matthew Siriani and the Nates, Harrison Weber and Zastro. Our on-air producer and director of e-communications is Matt Rockwell. Our staff photographers are Rick Keir and Chris Ugariza. Our music director is Robin Schmoltz. And our theme music is from Conan. The executive producer of the Do Radio Show is Jesse LaGrue. Come on back next week. We will talk about securing your computer. And hopefully there won't be as much snow on the ground. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you soon.